0: Let me tell you, there's a Hooters down the road. We got way more guys here. That's a win for Team Jesus. We're glad to have you. We're super honored to meet you. And if you're new, man, you're surrounded with some really incredible guys and you're gonna find your brothers for the battle. Amen? Amen? All right, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I have the great honor of teaching. And the way it works is I do a long sermon on Sunday. And then for real men, I do another Long sermon. And so uh, it's based, this five week series is based on the book, Pray Like Jesus. You can get a free copy on the way out. My encouragement would be to read it. The average man reads, Zero books a year. I'm not even making that up. That's a true stat. Okay, somebody was like, I didn't read that. It's because you didn't read anything. That's why I didn't read the statistic. My encouragement would be grab a copy and read it. And if um, you don't want to read it, maybe ask your wife to read it to you. Uh, yeah, Just call it date night. Amen. And uh, for those of you who are joining us online, we're sure glad to have you. I know that many of you are just individual men joining us online. In addition, many of you are in uh, small groups scattered all over the country and world. Some churches are tuning in. If you're a pastor watching us, come visit us on a Wednesday. We'll tell you what we're doing. We'll give you some insights and we'll help you to launch it. We've got these kind of groups launching all over the country and world. And if you're in one of those scaredy cat, left-leaning governor states and You're just home counting your shell casings and reading lamentations and waiting to be able to leave your home. Move to Arizona like these guys. It's great, it's still America, and we'd love to have you. All right, so here's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about prayer. And I know none of you wanna talk about this because prayer involves two things, being emotional and verbal. And most guys are like, nope. Okay, so the key for men is not to focus on prayer, but to focus, and here's the big idea, and getting to know God as Father. So the big idea behind the book is really getting to know God as Father. And I'll show you a story. And really this was a revelation. How many of you are dads? You got kids? So let, let's just do this. I have mean, got nothing else to do. I didn't plan this. Not like I plan anything, but like, who's got the most kids, biologicals? That we know of. That we know of. Welcome to our honest testimony for the night. Those that I pay taxes for. No, I mean, okay, we'll pray for you, brother. Who's got four kids? Seven. Seven. How old are you? 40? You're a sniper, brother. Seven kids by 46. Who's got more than seven? Mormon, yeah. Did some Mormon guy sneak in? He's like, they're all junior varsity. They're all junior varsity. Uh, Anybody beat seven? Yes, no, going once, go twice. Who's got the most grandkids? Who's got, come on, give me a number. Eight, Five, eight, 13. 13, we went double digit, a lot of guys tapped out. I think my dad's at 21, we were Catholic. Papal roulette, you end up with 21 grandkids. That's the way it works. The big idea is this, that God gives us children and grandchildren and we need to train and to teach our children and grandchildren, but how many of you have found that God uses your children and grandchildren to teach you a lot, right? And I'll tell you this, you single guys, here's what's gonna change your life, a daughter, amen? When you are a teenage boy, you see things one way. When you become the dad of a teenage daughter, whole different perspective on everything. I have five kids, three boys, two girls, Love all my kids with all my heart. But the book I wrote, Pray Like Jesus, I wrote with my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, Ashley, she's now 23, married, literally up in my office. We just prayed together and I kissed her on the head. She's in the back teaching all the women. And I have the honor of teaching you. And uh, when she was little, every night, we had this little routine, I'd tuck her in. I called it tuckering in like a burrito. She wanted to put the covers around her and we'd sing together and pray together and read the Bible together. And I shared it Sunday, but it's kind of the, the lightning moment of revelation in my life. I was talking to her and she looked at me one day. and She said, I'm so glad that I have two dads. My first thought was, what's your mom been doing? You know, no, I'm just kidding. So what she said was, she said, I have a dad in, in heaven and a dad on earth who both love me. And they listen to me and they, they wanna help me. And two things hit me in that moment. Number one, I need to really focus on being a good dad. Because what God the father had done, he, I hadn't even really thought about it to that moment. He shared his title with me. When she heard the word father, she thought of me and him. Now, what if I'm horrible to her? That could really damage her view of him because we shared the same title. The other thought that came to me was, she understands prayer in a very relational, simple, conversational way. I'm her dad, so she talks to me. Not only is God her father, God's also my father. Here's the big idea. It doesn't matter how old you are, it's still a blessing to have a good dad, amen? It doesn't matter how old you are, it's still a blessing to have a good dad. And God is father. The reason my daughter had such an easy time praying to God, so much easier than me. As a brand new Christian, how many of you guys have had this experience? You struggle with prayer. You don't do it enough. You don't do it as intensely as you should. Your wife is way more spiritual than you and you feel a little bad about it, but you're not sure how to fix it. That was me quite frankly, as a new Christian, new husband and father. I didn't really get prayer. I didn't really understand prayer. And then in that moment, as I was turning off the light in my daughter's room, I felt like God was turning on the light and my soul was like, oh, God's my father. I'm his son. And this is about a relationship with a dad, a father who cares about me, who who is there to help me. And so the big idea behind the book is a lot of times we talk about prayer. Prayer is what naturally happens when people know God as father. They came to Jesus and they asked him, teach us to pray. He said, okay, here's how you do it. Our father, that's how you do it. Jesus changed the world's understanding of God. Before Jesus, the Old Testament refers to God as Father roughly 15 times. It has a lot of fathers. The Old Testament is patriarchal, meaning it traces the family line through the husband and the father. So there's whole lists of dads and grandpas and and ultimately it's family lines traced through the males. But only 15 times, roughly in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father. And it's the national, not the personal reference to God. Then Jesus comes, everything changes. The first three gospels, he refers to God as Father 65 times. In the Gospel of John, 100 times. Jesus' favorite title for God is Father. And he is the Son of God. The reason that Jesus could have a healthy relationship is he understood God as father, he understood himself as son. The big idea for you and I is getting to know who God is as father and getting to know who we are as son. And this word for father that Jesus uses, Abba, it doesn't mean daddy. That would be the kind of language that a young child uses more like dad or father or pops. I call my dad pops. My dad's probably watching, so I call my dad pops. My kids call me dad, sometimes they call me father. It's that respectful, but very warm term. Why do I tell you this? I think that most men struggle greatly to understand God as father and God's father heart toward them. And I believe that the reason that some men love Jesus is because they love the story where the son is the hero, but they don't really understand the father. And I believe it is impossible to be a healthy man without understanding the fatherhood of God. I believe it is also impossible to have a healthy prayer life unless you know God as Father. And I believe for men, this unlocks the key to a healthy, warm relationship with God. And I believe that one of the reasons that men struggle so mightily to have an emotional relational um, connection to God is because we don't understand God as Father. So how many of you, your wife loves the metaphor in the Bible where Jesus is like a groom and the church is like a bride? Any of you, your wife like that? Any of you, your daughters get dressed up like princesses or get preparation for their wedding? We use some of the metaphors in the Bible, but some of them really work more specifically for the women than they do for the men. So if you go to a man and you say, God is a groom and you are a bride, gentlemen, how does that feel? I came from Seattle, it feels very awkward. <laughs> I know where this goes. It doesn't end up in a happy place. I'm not, I'm not all about being a bride, amen? First of all, they don't make a dress that fits my neck. They just don't. And the plunging neckline with my furry chest, it's just a horrible look, okay? I've never watched Say Yes to the Dress with my daughter and thought, that one would work for me. I've never had that experience in my whole life. So I don't refer to God. I don't understand God as he's a groom and I'm a bride. That doesn't work for me. But 60% of church attenders are female. There's 11 to 13 million more women than men in church. And so a lot of the metaphors about a loving, healthy relationship with God are the bridegroom metaphor between Jesus and the church. And it's totally true and it's perfectly fine. But quite frankly, if you're a healthy male, it's awkward. Okay, so if you're a guy and you're like, I like the bride metaphor. You're a weird guy. You're in the right place. We got to fix you. Uh, you, you, You're really confused. But how many of you being a a bride doesn't really work, but being a son, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. How many of you have a son? How do you feel about him? him. You love him? Good, that's one of you. Good. (laughs) Let's see if we can cause that to grow. How many of you, your son can say and do things to you that no one else can say and do? They get a lot of grace. How many of you, your son can ask you for things that no one else can ask you for? How many of you, your son can can sort of interrupt your life, just cut right in? No one else has the authority to do that. When we have children, God uses that to reveal something to us of the Father's heart. In addition, especially when we have a son, we realize, oh, if I'm a son and he's my father, if he feels about me the way I feel about this boy, this revolutionizes my relationship with him. Uh, My oldest son, he's 21, he's engaged. He's gonna get married here um, in two months. And uh, I'll never forget the first time I held my son. For those of you who are dads, remember the first time you held your son? It's, it's, it's a revelation. I'm a father, I have a son. Then I realize he's a father, I'm a son. He feels about me about the way I feel about this boy. He's devoted to me as I'm devoted to this boy. He is going to instruct and provide and lead and direct and correct me. And so as he becomes my father, it teaches me how to father. I'll tell you the story. The first time I met my son, I was holding him, it was summertime, I was wearing flip-flops. I was a young man and I'm holding my firstborn son. And it was one of those incredible God moments. And I remember the first thing I did is I wanted to dedicate him to the Lord. And so I'm holding him and I'm like, okay, Lord, you're a father with me as your son. And now I'm a father here with my son. So here we are father. Thank you for this son. Use this son to teach me what it's like to be your son. And at that moment, God answered my prayer and my son crapped on my foot. (laughs) I kid you not, my son crapped on my foot. (laughs) And I thought God answered my prayer. I was asking him to use my son to teach me what kind of son I am. (laughs) And that was a prophetic poop right on my foot. And what was really interesting in that moment, I started laughing. Let me say this. If you poop on my foot, I will not laugh (laughs) and I will not rejoice in the Lord. But my son can do things that no one else can do. My son gets a grace that no one else receives. And my son teaches me lessons that no one else can teach me. Here's the big idea. Once you get to know God as father, it changes how you see yourself as son and it changes how you relate to God and it encourages you to talk to God. So the two most important things that I like to tell anybody, but especially men, the first thing you need to learn is who God is. The second thing you need to learn is who you are. Once you know who God is, you know who you are, you can figure out the rest of your life. But if either of these truths are not rightly understood and applied, everything else in life suffers. So the first thing I want you to know is this, God is your father, he's not your master. Many of you had a master relationship before you met God. Jesus says in John 8, he says, your father is who? The devil. Paul says that we are by nature children of wrath. Before you meet Jesus, you have a relationship with a spiritual father. Your spiritual father before you meet Jesus is who? It's Satan. Your father is the devil. You're a sinner and a rebel by nature and choice. Satan does not lead you and guide you as a father. He beats and he abuses you as a master. That's what he does. Because you're used to being in a relationship that feels like a master and a slave, once you meet God, you can wrongly assume that all you've done is traded masters. You've not. You've traded master for father. It's a completely different relationship that God wants with you. Here's how he articulates it in Galatians 4, 6 through 7. Because you are what? Sons. Let me just pull the car over and take a look at this for a minute. You are sons of God, the father. This is not something you achieve. This is something you receive. This is not something that comes from your performance, but from his pleasure. I would never look at one of my boys and say, someday you can be my sons if you earn it. Do do sons work from the father's approval or do they work for the father's approval? They work from the father's approval, not for the father's approval. My sons started as sons. Their life is lived from their sonship, not for their sonship. There's nothing they can do to not be my sons. They're always my sons. In this way, think of it like the Lord Jesus. For those of you know the story, when he was baptized, the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Question, what had Jesus done to that point? No dishonor to the Lord Jesus, but not much. Had He preached a sermon? Not that we know of. Had He cast out a demon? Not that is recorded. Had He started in ministry? No. Before Jesus went public with His ministry and did anything extraordinary, He started as a son and he started as a son in whom the father was well-pleased. You need to know that your relationship with God the father, if you belong to Jesus Christ, is in the position of sonship. That means that he is well-pleased with you. Now, some of you say, I have not lived up to that. His love will allow you to live up to that. Your identity as son is not achieved, it is received. It is not your performance, it is his pleasure. You don't work your way into sonship. He places you in sonship. You live your life from your sonship. Satan is going to attack you on this consistently, just as he did Jesus Christ, the son of God. For those of you that know the story, when Jesus was baptized, the father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The next chapter of the Bible, Satan shows up and what's his question to Jesus? If you are the son. Satan goes after Jesus' identity as sonship. Here's the big idea. When you know who you are, you know what to do. When you forget who you are, you forget what to do. When you believe who God says you are, You will live as God destines for you to live. If you believe who Satan says you are, you will destroy the life that God has destined for you. God says, you're my son. Satan shows up and says, are you? What's the answer? Yes. You men are in the position of son. And some of you would say, but I don't know if I've earned it. You've not earned it. It's based upon love not performance. It's based upon Him being gracious toward you, not you being perfectly obedient toward Him. Here's the big idea. Ultimately, when God chooses to make you a son, it is because He knows that you need Him, not because you've earned Him. Okay, how many of you have adopted a son? Okay, you you adopted that child because they needed you that without you, their life was gonna be worse. God's a father, he adopted you because you need him. He loves you and he knows without him, your life is going to be worse. Just as Jesus is the son of God, so Jesus took your place and was orphaned on the cross so that he could put you in his place, adopted his sons. Okay, he continues. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So if you are a son of God, here's what God has given you. Not just a list of things to do and not do, but the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to do them. The same Holy Spirit who empowered the life of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, lives in you if you are a son of God. Now, how many of you, your dad demanded that you do things, but he never helped you? The Father not only tells you what to do, He sends the Spirit to help you to do it, okay? And you need to know this. The Father is not just in heaven giving you orders. He also sends the Spirit to give you power, okay? So He's not just demanding, He's helping. He's helping. The Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So, as we call out and cry out to God as Father, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are no longer a what? A slave. You are no longer a slave. Your relationship with God is no longer slave master. Additionally, you are no longer a slave to your old besetting sins and habits. But a son. And if a son, an heir, that means that God has good things planned for you in this life and in the life to come. Here's the big idea. You will either see God as father or master. So let's have this honest conversation. For men who tend to see God as master and there are whole religions, that are dedicated, and there are a whole false Christian teachings and denominations and ideologies that tend to present God far more as master than father. For those who see, for those men who see God as master, what does that look like practically for them? What motivates them? Fear. Because a son is always loved and a slave has to earn it and they could lose it at any time. Some of you are very dutiful Christians, but let me say this, you're bad sons. Because you're thinking like a slave and you're considering God like a master. Okay? How many of you guys, this master slave concept makes sense to you? How many of you, you did really well in the military. Okay? Is the military more of a master? Yes, we call it a master sergeant. We actually just throw the name in for the guy. How many of you, when you showed up to boot camp, they were not like, I love you. I'm always here for you. Um, no matter what you do, I will forgive you. And I'm here to bless and unburden you. How many of you, the military didn't go like that? Okay. How many of you did really well in sports because it was the coach yells, and you obey. That's it, we call that football, okay? Some of you do very well in business because the boss tells you to do something and you just obey. What God doesn't want necessarily from you is just obedience, but obedience from the heart out of relationship. How many of you, you have a son and you don't want your son to just do everything you tell them to do. You wanna have a relationship with them. It's not just about their performance. It's about that personal relationship, okay? You need to know that God is not using you. He's partnering with you because he loves you. When God tells you to do something, it's not a master giving a command to a slave. I'll give you an example. When I was a little boy, my dad, Joe, he's a union drywaller construction worker. He literally hung sheet rock to feed five kids until he broke his back. That's my, that's my pops. And when I was a little boy, I remember one day my dad said, hey, Marky, still calls me Marky. Um, he said, uh, you wanna go to work with me? Because he did side jobs on the weekend to make ends meet. I said, sure, dad. So I got steel-toed boots, I got Levi's, I got a white t-shirt, I got a little hard hat, I got a little thermos, I got a little toolbox. I got up early, I jumped in my dad's truck as a little boy to go to work with him. My dad didn't bring me to work because he needed me. My dad wasn't using me. My dad brought me to work because he wanted time with me. And my dad brought me to work because he wanted me to see what, I, what he was doing all day so that I could be in his world and he could be in mine. God is your father, not your master. He's not just trying to get performance or results out of you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And let me say this, he doesn't really need you, right? In sports, you need a guy to play his position. In business, you need a guy to do his job. In the military, you need a guy to hold his line. With God, he's fine either way. All right, if God can speak the world into existence, he's not using you because he has to have you to get something done. He's inviting you to go to work with him so you can see what he's doing. He can be in your world, you can be in his, and he can build that relationship with you. Some of the greatest memories I have with my dad as a little boy was going to work with him. And when I was a little boy, I honestly thought, good thing I'm here, big help. Me and my plastic hammer, my 17th coffee break. Good thing I'm here. Just so you know, I didn't haul a lot of drywall. He didn't give me a screw gun because he loved me. (laughs) Why would your dad bring you to work? because he just wants you to be with him. It's the ministry of presence, it's the relationship, okay? God is not a master, he's your father. Some of you, you read the Bible because you have to, you pray because you have to, you worship because you have to. I want you to know it's all because you get to and it's means of developing and cultivating the relationship with your dad, okay? Here's the comparison, the contrast. A master uses you. A father blesses you. For some of you, this is gonna trigger some thoughts on your own dad. You're like my dad didn't bless me. He, he used me. He treated me like an animal or a machine. A, a master, you serve them. It's always about them. A father, the father's about serving the child, serving the son. A master motivates you by fear. You better produce and perform or there will be punishment. A father motivates you by love. I care for you, I'm here for you. I believe the best in you. And I wanna call the best out in you. A master beats you down. A father builds you up. And a master has no grace for you and no inheritance. And a father has full grace for you and a full inheritance. Here's what I'm telling you. If you don't understand who the father is, you don't understand how to father. Some of you, you have a misperception of God and that causes you to poorly treat those who look to you as a father. And there's three kinds of fathers. There are our physical fathers. This could be our biological or adoptive dad. That's the dad that we live with. He raises us. It could be a spiritual father, a mentor, a pastor, a small group leader, someone spiritually who is, older than us in the Lord and they help us grow in the Lord and or father figures. This could be a boss, a coach, a mentor, a big brother, a grandpa or an uncle. And men, let me tell you this, that if you don't understand who God is as father, you will not know how to father. One of the biggest problems that we have in our nation is a crisis lack of healthy fathering. It's a massive, Massive, massive cultural crisis. And I don't don't care what anyone says, I believe that the whole generation that is trending socialistic is because they had no father and they believe that government can replace dad. And it's a demonic lie and a counterfeit, okay? So the first thing I want you to know is God is father, you is son. And I want you to see how God is father, not master. So that as you spiritually lead and father others, you're not treating them as master slave, but as father, son, father, son. That's the next point. God is a father, not a master. You are a son, not a slave. Paul says this in Romans 8, 14 through 16, for all who are led by the spirit of God. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit comes in you, he re-hardwires you. He transforms you at the level of being. Your nature, your desires, your longing, your instincts, they undergo a cataclysmic eternal change process. Are what? Sons. Gosh, I just want you to own that. You ever met a kid that is totally rejected and then they get adopted? That's us, man. We were totally orphaned, rejected. And the father said, son, didn't say, I'm gonna give it 10 years and evaluate your performance. And if you meet my standards, then I will change your last name and put you in the well. No, it's day one, you start as son and you live from that identity, not for that identity. You guys need to know that God is a father, he's a good father, he's a perfect father, he's a forgiving father, he's a loving father, he's a truthful father, he's an authoritative father. And ultimately, we all need the same father. And he makes us sons of God, okay? Goes on to say, for you do not receive the spirit of what? Slavery, to fall back into fear, You can be a son and think like a slave. You can be a son and act like a slave. This was the case in Egypt. They were literally slaves. This is the book of Exodus. God delivered them, but they still thought and act like what? Slaves. They're still worshiping their old gods and going back to their old ways. Some of you are sons, but you forget and you fall back and you start to act like slaves to your old sins, your habits, and or your old relationship before you knew God. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Have you ever seen a kid get adopted? You are the father's sons, he adopted you. Something magnificent happens in adoption. And that is that ultimately the father chooses out of love. Let me say this. You did not choose your father. Your father chose you. And here's the good news if you chose your father, you can unchoose that relationship. If your father chose you and adopted you, it is an unchangeable status. How many of you, really, if you look at your life, you're like, he just grabbed me and made me his son? That's my story. And you know what? For us, it can be totally confusing because it's like, God, why? It's like, it's grace. God, was I better than everyone? Nah. (laughs) God, did you see more potential in me? Nope. Why did you pick me? I just love you. And you look like somebody who needed a dad and I'm a father. So I made you my son. You need to know that the father did not pick you because of your performance or your potential. He didn't pick you because you earned it. He didn't pick you because he saw greatness in you. The truth is, it's a tremendous mystery of grace. Why would the father choose me? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I'm glad I got picked, okay? I don't know why he picked me. I'll tell you this, if I was God, I wouldn't pick me. How many of you, if you were God, you wouldn't pick you? True, right? just be honest, you're like, hey, go, go adopt some sons. Nope, 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 nope. Those are the ones God goes, yep, 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 yep. Here's what I'm telling you. Some of you guys, you feel very bad carrying that title of son. You're like, I've not been a good son. I've not been a faithful son. I've not been a dutiful son. Here's the, here's the good news. Good thing you got this dad. Because you know what? Our hope is not in that we're great sons, but that as sons, we got a great dad. And no matter what, our dad's gonna help. No matter what, our dad is not gonna give up on us. No matter what, our dad is gonna be there for us. Goes on. Adoptionist sons by whom we cry. This is prayer. Here's what he doesn't say. Slaves, pray to your master. Here's what he says. Sons can talk to their father. How many of you, your kids talk to you? God calls that prayer when we talk to him, okay? Abba Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'll tell you guys this, my whole prayer for the whole book and the whole series and the whole night is that that God, the Holy Spirit would unlock in you an understanding that God is a father, not a master, and that you are a son, you are not a slave. Sons and slaves sometimes will do the same job, task or performance, but the motivation is totally different. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you in work or sports or the military, you really did a good job, not because you were afraid of the person in authority, but because you really loved and respected the person in authority. You did your best, not because they might reject you, but because they really cared for you and you wanted to do your best. That's the relationship that the father wants with you. I believe that the grace of God will get the best out of you in a way that just fear of punishment will not produce the same results. So let me compare and contrast. A slave, they're in a controlling relationship. A son has a loving relationship. Let me say this, as a leader, we all operate on a continuum from control to influence. A master is way over on the control spectrum. A father is way over on influence. As men, especially when we parent our own children, when they're little, you can have a lot of control because you're bigger than them. How many of you have learned as they get older, if you don't shift over to influence, ultimately you lose any ability to help direct that child. You can't control them. My sons are all, well, two of the three, the third's close, they're all taller than me, which is not a big deal. I mean, you don't get a prize for being six foot tall, but you do at my house, it's a big deal. I can't look at my sons and say, you better. They're like, really? I mean, we're there. All right, I'm 50, I'm not flexible. If they take me to the ground, I got a problem. I just do, I can't defend myself. If I drop something, I'm at the age, I don't pick it up. I just go on Amazon and order another one. I'm there, okay? Now, when they were little and I was bigger, I could pick them up. Now, they could pick me up. How do I know? One did it recently, just thought it was funny. Came behind me and picked me up. He's like, remember he used to pick me up? I was like, this is terrifying. I'm 50. I have a two inch vertical. The Lord doesn't want me any further than this from the earth, you know? A father influences through love and a master controls through fear and intimidation. This is why some of you, you felt like, well, my kids are really good and then they got bigger and then they totally rebelled. It's because they then got big enough that they could fight the master. A slave is powerless. They have no rights or authority. A son is very powerful. A slave has a works-based lifestyle. You better produce and perform. A son has a grace-based lifestyle. You're loved and part of the family, whether you perform or not. And a slave is forever out of the family. You're never in the family. A son is forever in the family, forever in the family. Do you see God as father or master? How many of you, honestly, before we started this talk, you saw God more as master, And you saw yourself more as slave, okay? We need to correct that. Slaves don't pursue their masters, but fathers pursue their sons. Slaves don't admit their failures to their masters, but fathers hear of the failures from their sons. Slaves don't have the desire to be with their master. Sons have a desire to be with their father. What God wants with you is a father-son relationship, not a slave-master relationship. Now, I'll close with this. The reason why all of this matters, you are a son of the father if you are a Christian and God wants you to lead, especially with your marriage, your children, your grandchildren and the spiritual fathering of others. Does he want you to act like a master or a father? A father. Most of the men in your life who are leaders, do they act like masters or fathers? Masters. Most men who are leaders, they lead out of the spirit of master, not out of the spirit of father. As a result, they get slaves, but they don't get sons. What I want you to have is a relationship with God where he is father, you are son, and then you lead in love with the spirit of fatherhood, not the spirit of masterhood. And what I'm telling you is that I believe that with the men in this room, and I don't know what we've got tonight, maybe 300 guys here, plus hundreds and thousands online. Let's say that even the 300 in this room, you all marry, now we're at 600. Let's say you each have three kids, now we're up to 1,500. Let's say you each then have grandkids, now we're up to thousands, maybe tens of thousands, and you have great grandkids, now you're up to hundreds of thousands. See, what I see here in the room is not men, but I see generations and legacies. I need you men to see generations and legacies. And here at the church, we say, we open our Bibles to learn, we open our lives to love so that lives and legacies are transformed. The life piece is you. The legacy piece is everyone who looks to you as a father or a spiritual father. And it is extraordinary what God can do with one man who has the father heart of God. Jesus' dad was a blue collar guy, never wrote a book, never preached a sermon. We have no indication that he ever performed a miracle. Here's what he did, he went to work, he paid the bills, he loved his wife, he raised his kids. You don't have to be extraordinarily gifted, you just need to walk in the grace of God faithfully to see some sort of legacy. Here's the point, this is from the book. One man can make a difference. Churchill saved England. Lombardi turned the Packers from doormats into legends. Namath convinced the Jets they could win the Super Bowl. Iacocca turned Chrysler around. It happens all the time. One man could make a difference. Let me say this, he can make a difference if he's a father, not a master, and he raises sons and not slaves. Jonathan Edwards was one man who made a difference. Born in 1703, he was perhaps the most brilliant mind America ever produced. I think he's probably the greatest Bible teaching theologian in the history of America. A pastor, writer, and later president of Princeton, he and his wife had 11 children. So he would have won tonight. Of his known male descendants, more than 300 became pastors, missionaries, and theological professors. 120 were professors at various universities. 110 became attorneys. 60 were prominent authors, 30 were judges, 14 served as presidents of universities and colleges, three served in the US Congress, and one was vice president of the United States of America. Jonathan Edwards would start every day meeting with the father as the father's son. Before he fathered, he got with the father. He started every day in prayer as a son meeting with the father. And here's what he would ask. He would ask that the father would cause him to be a good father, and he would pray daily for five generations of his family. And you know what? As a son meeting with the father, the father gave him a father's heart, raised up sons and generations of spiritual children, and the father answered the prayers of his son. My hope, prayer, and goal with this series is not just to teach you how to pray, but teach you how to be a son and connect with God as Father and start to think in terms of legacy and lineage. Our world is a disaster. Schools do not know how to raise children, let alone sons. Colleges have no clue what to do with young men. Churches are sorely lacking in men, especially young men. This becomes our incredible opportunity to do something countercultural and supernatural, to get to know the Father, to be good sons, and then to lead as fathers who raise up sons who send people into the future who love and serve Jesus so that lives and legacies are transformed. The decisions that you men will make in this ministry, maybe even in the discussions around the table, These are the discussions, these are the decisions, these are the transitions that literally can change history for hundreds and thousands of people with your last name. Some will say, my family was a mess until that man got filled with the spirit and became a son of God. And then the whole family line pivoted. Some of you have never had a father and your children will know nothing of what you experienced because you will be there. Some of you did not have a godly grandpa for wisdom and for blessing and for prayer. And your grandkids will have no idea what that loss was because you, sir, will be there. And the discussions you're gonna have now, they're sacred. And they're discussions and decisions that will ring for generations to either cause people to live in slavery under a master or freedom as the sons of God. So what we're gonna do now, we're gonna transition you in a moment to discussion around tables. And here's a few things to discuss. And if you wander from the questions, that's fine. Do you mainly see God as father or master? And be honest. I'll be honest with you. When I first became a Christian, I started with God as master, not father. That's where I started. I think many men start there. Number two, do you primarily or mainly see yourself as son or slave? When I started my relationship with God, I primarily saw him as master, myself as slave. That had to change for me to get healthy. Number three, do those closest to you see you more as father or master? When you show up, is it, oh no, he's here, or oh yay, he's here. He's gonna beat me, he's gonna bless me. He's gonna catch me, he's gonna help me. Do those under your leadership feel more like sons or slaves? Your kids, your grandkids the people that you lead spiritually, maybe even in your own household. And let me say this, this is a confession. I treated my children differently than my wife. I had a lot of grace and I treated my children more in the spirit of sonship. And I treated my wife more in the spirit of slavery when we first got married. So I was a really good dad and a pretty crummy husband. One day, Grace looked at me and she said, I just want to know how I can get in the same category as the kids. I said, what do you mean? She said, you're an amazing father. She said, you're a very difficult husband. It's because I put on the spirit of sonship for the kids and I put on the spirit of slavery for my wife. My kids felt like they had a father. My wife felt like she had a master. I had to repent of that. And I had to have the father's heart for my kids and my wife. Thankfully, grace forgave me. And lastly, if you've put a father wound on someone, treating them as master, slave, who is close to you, how can you help heal that? Some of you are keenly aware of a father wound that's an unhealed hurt from a spiritual father, a physical father, or a father figure. But the question would be, not only how do you forgive them so you can be healed up and have a healthy relationship with God as Father, who have you wounded that you've acted like a master and treated them like a slave. And you need to go to them and apologize. Let me say this, men. A good father is not one who gets it right, but admits when they got it wrong. How many of you, it would have changed your life if your dad would have said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm not making any excuses. And it was a big deal. They murdered Jesus for it. That would have unburdened you and healed you. My question to you is who do you need to unburden and heal? Is it a kid? Is it a grandkid? Is it somebody that you were spiritually leading in the position of father? Is it like me, your own wife, that I had to go own my failure, that I treated her as master? And anytime she didn't perform, I would criticize her. And she lived in this environment of high anxiety and performance. And she said, it doesn't matter what I do, eventually I'm gonna make a mistake and that's all we're gonna talk about. That's a master. That's not the heart of the father. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to just speak to the men. And I, I pray, Father God, to speak to the hearts of the men. And Lord, I thank you that your heart is a father's heart, not a master's heart. That you want us to work from our position as sons and not slaves. And God, I pray for the men that this would just resonate deep in their soul that they would enjoy their relationship with you, that they would live in the grace that you provide, that as a result of knowing you as father, they would just talk to you like a little boy talks to his dad who loves him. It should be that simple, that it would be conversational, that it would be natural, that it would be relational. And God, I pray for the men who have an opportunity to go home and to unburden and to apologize and to heal some brokenness. And God, I pray for the men as they spend time around the tables that they would learn to pray. To God, as father, that they would go home and they would pray with and for and over their wives, that they would pray with and for and over their children and their grandchildren. And I pray like Jonathan Edwards, Lord, every day they'd start by being a son and then they'd move to being a father and that they'd be praying for generations of legacy and transformation. And that you would answer those prayers, God, that long after we're gone, there would be hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to come from the men in this room. And God, we want them to live under blessing and not cursing. And we want them to live in freedom, not slavery. So we want them to be sons and not slaves. So we ask that you would allow us to lead as fathers and not masters. In Jesus' good name, amen. Love you guys.